they're finishing up our youngins that want to go to children's church, Mr. Ray and Miss Nicole are getting ready. Yes? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's all right. Take it easy. All right. Amen. Revelation chapter 3. While our boys and girls get ready for children's church, Ray and Nicole are meeting them there. And Praise God. Aren't you glad there's a fountain today? He's a king, victorious warrior. He's Lord of everything. Amen. Revelation chapter 3. I want to turn your attention there if you would. And if you would find verse 7. Revelation chapter 3. And if you would find verse 7. I want to share with you today uh, from this passage. A message I'm calling looking beyond the open door. I really believe the doorway to the blessing of God is open to the people of God. We'll talk about this more in a minute. As long as we position ourselves to get in a place where God can move us forward into the things that he has prepared for his children. Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. If you found your place and be able, stand with me. Honor and reverence the reading of the word of God. Be on the screen behind me. Uh, also for you to follow along if you need that. Here's what the word of God says. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door. No one can shut it. For you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make these those of the synagogue of Satan, who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet, and to know that I have loved you. Because you have kept my commandment to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of God. He shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Father, in Jesus' name, pray you'd add your blessing to the reading of your word today. And I pray, Father, you would help us to move forward by faith. You would help us to persevere toward your purpose. And we pray that the Son of God would be glorified in all that takes place here today and every day in this building or outside these doors in the lives of your children. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Looking beyond the open door is what I want to speak to you on today. I believe today is a special day for so many reasons, special time of the year. I love this time of the year. I love the, uh, when things turn green. I like when things warm up a little bit. Uh, I understand from 
watching this morning on the, on the, the newscast, it's going to really get warm this next week. So uh, uh, we expect that this time of year. But as we look at this situation and as we look at all that's going on around us, Next week, Lord willing, if I live that long, uh, I will have made it to five years in being here to be blessed to be with you at Heflin Baptist Church. And uh, great, yeah, thank you. <laughs> well, <laughs> others are going, oh my, but anyhow, uh, it's all good. But I'm, I'm grateful for that. I want you to thank. I want to thank you for all you do and for all you've done and all you continue to do. I, I really am grateful. But I know one thing about being a pastor, and I don't know many things, but I know a few things. And one of the things I know is it takes time, and I understand that. It takes time. Homer Lindsay used to say it takes five to seven years to translate from being the preacher to the pastor. But I want to say to you that even in these early years, I am grateful for the way this church has embraced a vision to touch the world, to touch our neighbors and the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ, to not only set aside dollars and cents to be able to do that, but to empower our people to be moved from the pew to the mission field. We've got our next team that will be leaving June 27th. Uh, that's right, England, June 27th, uh, to head out to uh, Harriman, Utah. Uh, there's so many exciting things we'll be sharing with you in the month of June about what's taking place there, what is taking place, and how God is opening so many doors for the gospel. And, you are such a great part of that as a partner with a church plant there. But I want you to know again, that's not the end. That is just the beginning. I really believe in the years to come, we will look around and see many, many more church plants and partnerships that we're a part of in parts of the world that are very dark to the gospel and definitely need the light of Jesus Christ. But I want you to know I'm grateful that even in these early years, you have embraced so many things, and I'm grateful for you uh, supporting through your prayers, your presence, and your pocketbook that we could invest in the next generations to follow us. But I know there are some things that even though we've gone through a lot of stuff, a lot of things have changed, and uh, we've seen God do some wonderful things. And, but the one thing that has remained consistent is that there's a dream, there's a vision that God has put in my heart for the future this local church I, I didn't come here in case y'all didn't figure it out I didn't come here to keep the status quo I didn't come here just to bide my time and hope I could make it to retirement whatever that is I, I really come to make a difference I really come to invest in you to invest in this community and invest the gospel of Jesus Christ in the hearts of people that lives would be, be changed when I look back over the past few years I'm certainly blessed to see how God has used his word to challenge us. I really believe that's where, where it comes from and challenge us to serve him and to serve him through the church for the glory of God and the good of others. Even while serving through a pandemic, I tell you what a challenge that has been. We could talk for hours about all the things that God has done and expanded our net, give us a bigger net, a bigger reach. And with that, we realize that even though we look at the good and look at the blessings and how he has brought us safely through this storm we still have a decision to make we could rest or we could reload we could retreat or we could re-enlist and as we look forward to the future I truly believe there's a reason and a cause not for us to rest but to reload yes we do need to rest but not rest on the blessings of the past that would cause us to be anemic to the power of God for the future. 
We do need to re-enlist for the future. We don't need to give up. We can never rest on the blessings of the past, but we may, must stay focused on the future before us. The great hymn writer wrote these songs years ago when he said, Lord, we need a fresh anointing. We cannot borrow from yesterday. Come and fill us, O Holy Spirit. Teach us of Jesus, his will, his way. Take me, mold me, fill me, use me. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. The hymn writer knew that apart from God, he could do nothing of lasting impact, but through God, there was no limit to what he might do. We definitely do need a fresh anointing to accomplish what God has set before us. We cannot just continue to borrow from yesterday's blessings. We need a fresh anointing to accomplish a compelling and biblical vision for the future. A biblical vision can only be accomplished when God is the author and the finisher of that vision. And it must be a vision that is bigger than what we can accomplish on our own. It must be bigger than us, but it'll never be bigger than God. And it's a vision that is not to be viewed as a luxury, but a necessity. Well, in the book of the Revelation that I read a moment ago, and if you're a student of Scripture, you know that chapter 2 and chapter 3 are the words of Jesus Christ as he spoke set to seven different churches that were actual, literal congregations in the Asia Minor region of the world. So as John the Revelator, exiled to the Isle of Patmos at about 90-something years old, maybe he felt like God just put him out there to die, but God put him out there so he'd have his total attention, could speak clearly to him, and would use him to pen the words of what we know today to be the book of the Revelation. So as John penned these words while in exile, Jesus issued both commendation and condemnation on the churches. But in today's text, he is speaking to a specific church, the church at Philadelphia. Now, that's not where the Phillies or the Eagles or, or the 76ers play. This is in Asia Minor, Philadelphia. And in all the other churches, Jesus would issue a strong word of rebuke to them, but he praises the work and the people at the church at Philadelphia. Philadelphia was a church that had experienced revival and it experienced revival in three areas. One, they experienced revival in the fact that they had a world vision for evangelism. They were getting after it when it came to sharing what Jesus had done for them. They also experienced revival in the fact that they had overcome so many obstacles and snares. My favorite verse of Amazing Grace that sometimes gets left out is the third verse. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. His grace has brought me safe this far. His grace will lead me home. Ladies and gentlemen, they had overcome many obstacles and snares, and they were experiencing revival over that. But they also experienced revival in the fact that they were eagerly anticipating the return of the Lord. I shared here just last Wednesday night at the close of the service how often I just stop for a moment and think how close we are to being with Jesus. And when I think about how close we are to being with Jesus, it just boggles my mind to think that at any moment, any second in the future, that I could literally be standing and beholding the face of the Son of God. 
Ladies and gentlemen, that's what motivates and moves us, and that was what was motivating and moving this dear church in the days of the Church of Philadelphia. Here's what John Phillips says about the church. He says, the Lord stands before his church, this church, not to offer blame, but blessing. Not to threat of fearful vengeance, but a thrill of a fresh vision. That's what I've intended to come here today to share with you. The thrill of a fresh vision from the Lord that we should all have. We like the church at Philadelphia, we have overcome many dangers, toils, and snares. We do desire the fresh burden of reaching the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I do believe that we eagerly anticipate the return of our Lord with an urgency of getting people to the cross. So the Lord Jesus gives us these things that he spoke to the church at Philadelphia. And I want to focus on verse 7 and 8 from the text that I read today. And I want you to realize that he gave these gifts to his people and these are gifts that only God could give. First thing I want you to notice is that our Lord does promote a fresh vision for this church. And keep in mind that just as much as he is speaking directly to the church at Philadelphia in the first century, he is still speaking clearly to the church at Heflin in the 21st century. Amen? Promoting a fresh vision. Tell them I'll be there. Just keep them biscuits warm. Amen? All right? <laughs> so in order to embrace a fresh vision from God, we must have an attentive audience. I really believe that. And as Jesus wrote to the church at Philadelphia, he had a very attentive and a very captive audience. So in verse 7, we learn a few things. The first thing we learn is we learn about the personality of our king. This king we just sung about, we certainly know about his personality. We learn about these characteristics of him because our king, according to the scripture, is holy and true. His character is so holy that he is the complete and sovereign God of the universe. Do you believe that today? He is so holy, he's a complete and sovereign God of the universe. His appearance is so bright and shining that the angels hide their faces with their wings in his presence. Do you remember in the Old Testament, in Isaiah chapter 6, when he was in the temple and he saw the Lord high and lifted up? What a sight that was. And in the presence of the Lord, it became very clear to Isaiah that he was a sinful man. He dwelt among sinful people and unclean. He had unclean lips. He, he knew before God when he stood in the majesty and the holiness and the brightness of God, I believe with all of my heart he saw just how sinful he was. Well, our Lord is so dependable that we can stake everything we have or everything we hope to achieve on his word. Here's what the word says. The word says the grass withers in Isaiah 48, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. And he says in Psalms chapter 12, verse 6 and 7, that the words of the Lord are pure words like silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. You shall keep them, O Lord. You shall preserve them from this generation forever. We learn about the personality of the king, but we also learn about the possessions of the king. Also in verse 7. He makes an interesting statement in that verse when he says he talks about the key of David. Well, these words take us back to the Old Testament again. 
they take us back to the book of the prophet Isaiah chapter 22 and in that chapter the Bible tells us about a man named Eliakim who was the son of Hilkiah verse 22 of that same chapter tells us that Eliakim had the key to the house of David here's what that meant that Eliakim had access to all the treasures of the king now you stay with me here for a minute you're going to get blessed whether you came looking for one or not alright Eliakim had the key to the house of David now let me just help you in our vernacular that was a big deal he had access to all of the resources and the treasures of the king now hear me church when Jesus used the same phrase in Revelation chapter 3 verse 7 I read a moment ago he's talking to the church he's talking directly to the ecclesia the called out ones he's talking to those who have repented and placed their faith in him he's talking to you today if you're a child of God and here's what he's saying he said to the church at Philadelphia and he says to the entire body of Christ I have given you access to my resources now I'd make a Presbyterian shout right there amen hey look here he's saying I have given you access to my now wait a minute Eliakim had access to David's house that was a big deal it might even been a bigger deal but what God is saying to us through Jesus Christ, his son, as he speaks to the church, he's saying to you, I've given you the key to the king's house. Wow. He says, I've given you a key that will open a door that no man can shut. Oh, man, it's getting real in the house this morning, amen. He's saying, I'm giving you a key that cannot be shut. And he says, listen here. Because of your relationship with me, you have it all. Because of your relationship for me, you have eternity. Because of your relationship with me, you have access to the resources of heaven. But we walk around sometimes in this world and in the church, we can't do that, preacher. We ain't never done it that way before. I'm telling you, it won't work. We tried, it didn't work before. You can't do it that way. Well, if I've tapped into what the king said and I've got a word from the king and I got the key to his house, woo, amen. I'm telling you today, there's no limit to what God can do. Oh, you say, well, we're just small county seat little town in North Alabama. I'm telling you right now, God can raise up people. Listen, he can raise up the remnant today to bring revival to the masses if we'll just remember, we got the key to the king's house. I, I had a hard time. I took two trips around the church when I was reading about that this week. Just had to get out and walk. I got a key to the king's house. I don't know about y'all. I've never had one of those before. But as a child of God, we do. You get to saying, well, preacher, God can't use me. I don't have many gifts, many skills, many talents. Well, I read something this week I believe will help you. I read it from David Jeremiah in his book, Wide Open, Living Life Wide Open. He said this, he said, when God chooses someone to live and work passionately for him, he doesn't just select society's elite. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 says this, For you see your calling, brethren, 
that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. He said it may surprise you, and this is what Dr. Jeremiah said, even liberates you to realize that God does not enlist the majority of his saints from the rank of the wise, the mighty, the noble, or even the beautiful. That means, according to what I'm reading, all of you are able to be applicants to be used for the kingdom of God. You all fit the bill. If you don't believe that he chooses, doesn't choose handsome men, you should have seen that wall of preachers that was on that wall when I first came here. That was evidence, I'm telling you. Not many beautiful, right? Okay. All right. They said, don't you want to be up there with them? No, that'll crash the party. But anyhow, you hear me. We just think that God has used those that have everything going. Here's what God's looking for. He's looking for those that will use, be used faithfully. Here he gives some examples. Martin Luther was an obscure monk stricken by low confidence. Martin Luther, the leader of the Protestant Reformation, who on October the 31st, 1517, nailed the 95 theses to the door of the church at Wittenberg and said the just shall live by faith and brought about who we are today. Just an obscure monk, had no confidence. Wait a minute. What about John Wesley? John Wesley was a failure-prone minister. He failed over and over. He's a lot like me. Look. Billy Graham got dismissed from Bible college. Wouldn't you like to be the college president that did that? <laughs> These were people who were not used by God because they were spectacular. They were simply used spectacularly by God. Oh, hear me today, friend. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have all your ducks in a row. You don't have to have all the intelligence and eloquence that the world calls for. All you've got to have is a heart that you will submit, surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and you might be amazed at what God would do with you. Well, he promotes a fresh vision. Let's move on, verse 8. He also promises a faithful victory. We'll camp out here just for a minute or two. How can our Lord promise victory before the battle begins? Well, it's because he's sovereign. It's because he's omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. You remember how clearly he did this for Joshua in Joshua chapter 1. He said, Joshua, Moses is dead. And you're going to leave now. But don't you worry, you be of good courage. He said in verse 5 of Joshua chapter 1, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life because as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. Listen here, I will never leave you or forsake you. But wait a minute. Didn't Jesus point out Philadelphia's weaknesses? Well, sure he did. He points out that our weaknesses to remind us to depend on his strength. What did Joshua have to do throughout his journey? He had to depend on the strength of God. See, when God looks at the church's weaknesses, he also looks for their willingness. Yes, we all have weaknesses, but we need willingness. Well, there's two things I want to mention about this faithful victory. First thing I want to mention is there's a great dilemma. Here's what we know. 
we want the doors opened first so we can look and see if we want to walk through them or not, don't we? Lord, I, I don't mind. Lord, I don't mind going, showing up for the dance, but I want to know how the song ends before we start. Lord, I don't mind following you on this journey, but I want to make sure that it's a smooth, safe landing. I really don't want any difficulty. If you'll just show me what's out there, then I'll decide whether I walk through that door. But I want you to know this. The Lord calls us to be faithful to make the first move. Then he will open the door in due time. See, I believe we have to prayerfully move ourselves into position and total faith in order for him to open the great doors of blessing. So how do we position ourselves? you got to be in position. I remember uh, a lot of things from, from athletics. And one thing I remember from wrestling was, is coach used to always say, and y'all have heard me say, you got to keep your head off the mat. And that was one. But here's another one. He'd always say, you got to keep your hips higher than your opponent. If your hips are lower than your opponent, you're in a very vulnerable position. you got to keep your hips up. You've got to be in a position to where you can be able to be successful. How do we stay in a position for God to open doors for us? Well, here's what Stephen Alford said about being positioned for God to send revival. Here's what he said. He said, revival is not some emotion or worked-up excitement. Now, let me stop there for a minute. I have no problem with folks being emotional about Jesus. Y'all all right? I have no problem with people expressing emotion in worship. I believe it's fine, dandy. I believe it just however God, there's nothing wrong with that. But you cannot live, and that cannot be the basis of your relationship. Because if you're just an emotionally driven person, here's what you're going to be. You're going to be on a spiritual roller coaster all your journey. He said a revival is not some emotion or worked up excitement. It is an invasion from heaven that brings a conscious awareness of God. Uh, preacher, what do we need in this day that we live in to really make a difference from God? I'll tell you what we've got to do. We've got to have an invasion from heaven upon the people of God. We've got to let God take over, and I'm not talking about, you know, Jesus take the wheel or anything like that. I don't want him to just take the wheel. I want him to take the gas. I want him to take the brakes. I want him to take the blinkers. I want him to take the side mirrors, the rear view mirrors, the front lights, the fog lights. I want him to take the front bumper, left bumper, side door, rear door. I want him to take it all. Amen? And when he does that and we have an invasion from heaven, we can certainly see God do some great things. It's not just a great dilemma, but there's also some great deception. Because Satan often uses difficulty to discourage God's church. Most people do okay till the difficulty comes. Most people do okay while the praise is, woo, glory to God, all this kind of stuff. But if they ever lose that emotional attachment, they experience some difficulties, it's easy to begin to drift from God. You know, somebody put it on a church sign recently, and I know, you know, coming through pandemic and all that, we've had a lot of challenges, but Somebody put this, and I believe it's true. I saw it over in Calhoun County. The longer you miss church, the less you'll miss church. That's true. The longer you stay away, the easier it is to keep staying away. Because here's what the devil does. He fills you up with substitutes. And I've told you all about substitutes. They aren't real good. I don't like substitute sugar. It tastes like cough medicine. I, I done told y'all about you can't make a good grilled cheese with imitation cheese product because cheese it won't melt. It's not a good grilled cheese, right? Get you some Velveeta. Somebody said that's not really cheese. I don't care. It melts and it tastes pretty good. Amen? <laughs> no, you want the real thing. 
But Satan uses difficulty to discourage God's church, and difficulty often comes in many forms. Comes Sometimes it comes from general problems. It can be grouchy people. Church leaders sometimes can be enticed to take their focus off what God has placed the church and the world to do. Sometimes we get caught up in less meaningful things, and I want to tell you all that's why I'm so blessed. Y'all have embraced our our vision to touch our neighbors and nations and embrace giving to missions and embrace empowering people to go and being a blessing locally and globally, regionally. It's just a real blessing to me because those are the things that's going to matter after we're gone. See, our purpose today is to reach the lost, to disciple the saved and minister to one another in this hurting world. I really believe that's why we're here. So let me say this today. We must have the kind of faith that's willing to go beyond the open door. We must have the kind of faith to realize that even though we can't see everything that's out there, that if God is opening the doors, we've just got to trust him enough to walk through them. God has a unique plan for reaching lost people. I really believe that. I really believe with all of my heart that wherever you are, whether you're a fireman, policeman, teacher, construction worker, business owner, secretary, doctor, CEO, or N-O-B-O-D-Y like me, uh, somebody thinking, what did he just say? But anyhow, you'll figure it out in a minute. I spelt nobody. Anyhow, just so you'll know. You may think that you're fulfilling the requirements of your vocation. You may think that you're just doing a job, but if you're a child of God, you are on mission with God wherever you are. Whatever you're doing, you're always on mission with God. Remember what Jesus said the last part of chapter 3? You know, the last part of chapter 3 is really rough. He, he talks to the worst of the seven churches, Laodicea. In that church, he said, you know, you think you're hot, but you're not hot or cold. You're lukewarm, and because you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. That spew, if you know the word picture, it's not a real nice picture, and I won't mention much about it because we're about to eat lunch, right? But he was saying, basically, you make me sick. And he gets to the end, and he looks, and he says to all of them, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open, I will come in and sup with him. I wonder sometimes if as he's knocking do we really want to open that door and let him have his complete will with us what if God wrote a letter to the Heflin Baptist Church today what would it say I, I wonder this what would he say about how concerned we are about lost people dying without Jesus what would he say about how concerned we are about making disciples of those who have trusted Jesus? What would he say to us about the way we're ministering to our community? And what would he say about how we're reaching the world with, with the gospel through missions? And I wonder what he would have to say about if we were not here tomorrow, would the community miss us? Well, I sure hope so. You know, there's a lot of Christian people and a lot of congregations that could go missing from communities and nobody would ever know. But I don't believe that's the kind of church God wants us to be. I believe the kind of church God wants us to be is one who lives to be missed. 
is making a difference and has enough faith to walk through the open door. Remember I told you early in the message that what we need is to call on God for a fresh anointing. There's not a time I walk up these stage, you young folks right here and some up there, listen, there's not a time I walk up this stage, mama, daddy, grandma, grandpa, meemaw, peepaw, that gets us all, right? There's not a time I walk up on this stage that I don't walk to this stage saying, God, give me a fresh anointing. That holy anointing like Isaiah spoke about. But I believe with all of my heart that I can want that for you you can want that for others but until we all want that together we'll yet reach our potential for the glory of God the hymn writer said again and I remind you Lord we need a fresh anointing we cannot borrow from yesterday come and feed us oh Holy Spirit teach us of Jesus his will his way take me mold me fill me use me how many of you today would say those things to God God take me mold me fill me use me spirit of the living God oh fresh on me would you say that what about as a church that we would say, Lord, take us, mold us, fill us, and use us. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. Ladies and gentlemen, when we do that with one heartbeat, that's when we invite the total power of God to be unleashed on his church. But as long as I got my thoughts, you got yours, your way, my way, his way, and I, as long as we've got that, we're missing that unity that says, take me. Maybe that's where you need to start today. Lord, just take me. Because when we do that, the holy God will do things we never thought possible, little old man. Father, in Jesus' name, I just want to thank you for the, the word. I want to thank you for the warning. Thank you for the admonition, the encouragement, and all those things that we find in your word. Lord, today, let us not get caught up in the deception, the discouragement, the disgruntlement that Satan would love to bring our way. Let us just trust you. Trust you completely. God, give us the faith and the courage that it takes to walk through that open door. Lord, we don't know where all it's going to take us, but we know wherever you take us is the safest place on this planet we can be. Shelter. Father, at this invitation, may you be glorified. God, may your name be lifted high. And may many sons and daughters be one to your family today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's stand our feet all across the house.
God speaks to your heart, whatever decisions you need to make, would you bring it to the Lord today? Say, when you're ready, Jamie. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Amazing love, now flowing down from hands and feet that were nailed to a tree. As grace flows down, it covers me. It covers me. It covers me. It covers me.
just a moment we'll dismiss and I want to mention a couple things before we do uh, offering buckets are still at both doors uh, hopefully next week or so we'll start passing again make it a little easier we had to stop all that during this COVID stuff but our buckets there if you have the terror <laughs> did you hold it oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> just chunk it around anyway but we do appreciate your faithfulness as always and there is a tear off section on your uh, worship guide today and if you have any questions about ministry if you have prayer requests praise reports if you'd like to talk to someone about your salvation or your service as a Christian to the Lord please don't hesitate to fill that card out and drop it in the bucket we'll be honored to talk to you about that and we mean that so much and I do thank you for your continued faithfulness uh, during this time because I know it's been tough on everybody but I believe if you stay true to God when things are hard you won't have no trouble staying true when things aren't so hard. I mean, it's very important to do that. So uh, just walk with him, trust him. God is using this local church to do amazing things, and I believe it's only the beginning, okay? Before we dismiss, I want to present somebody to you that I'm supposed to know here tonight. <laughs> only for about 34 or 5 years, right? It's my mom-in-law, Miss Carolyn Gerald. She's come forward today wishing to unite with this local church, and I want you to welcome her to the Heflin Baptist Church family. I know still in a little bit different times you don't have to but if you'd like to you can come by and speak to her on the way out welcome her to our church family I mean so much to all of us I know and we're just grateful to God for all that he's doing and never forget every week I want you to never forget that God loves you and that I love you and there's not a thing you can do about it amen 6 o'clock Wednesday night for children students and adults look forward to seeing you here don't forget to get registered for VBS on the website Kate, you gonna sing us out? All right, she gonna sing us one more time. Stand up. Let's sing with Kate.